God, you have so many monitors in here. You have four. It's gross. It's a lot. Four monitors, two computers that I can see. It's a lot. I used to have more monitors. Like lizards? <laughs> lizards? Monitor oh, mon lizards. monitors. Mm. All right. I can tell that this chair is going to be a problem already. It's super squeaky. Can you hear it squeaking when you're yes, in your I can. office? <laughs> you're like, Nate's not working. He's just rolling around in his chair. <laughs> you're leaning back too much, Nate. Stop it. <laughs> There's too much squeaking and not enough typing going on. <laughs> you're fired. Oh my God. That's really aggressive. Uh, all right. Well, what what's the date today, Amanda? Uh, the 19th? Does that sound right to you? The 19th of November, 2021? It sounds right. That means okay. I'm on day 19 of the men's challenge, and I still owe you 18 from yesterday. Mm, yeah, okay. So you owe quite a bit then. <sighs> mm -hmm. Are you going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Okay, when? Sunday afternoon. Oh my gosh. Then you're going to owe 20 additional items. I know. See that there, calculator? I'm going to add it all up. Print okay. off a little receipt. I thought you were about to say you were going to get rid of the calculator and I was going to be upset. <laughs> you're going to be like, I'm taking that calculator. No, I wouldn't take that calculator. You wouldn't take that calculator? No. Why would I take the calculator? That thing is classic. Ooh, I've got a cat now. You do have a cat now. So tell oh. us, Amanda, a little bit about who you are and mm -hmm. tell us. Yeah. Why don't you just introduce yourself, first of all? I'm Amanda Ranky. Mm-hmm. Trail name, Fiddlehead. <laughs> Why'd you choose the word, the name Fiddlehead? I think it is cute, for one, which I like a lot. Mm -hmm. But it is the brand new unfurling fern leaf that is a symbol for, I think, several different cultures. It means various things. But I like to think of the kind of new life perspective the fiddlehead the uncurling fern leaf mm -hmm. and that's sort of i think how it feels when i go hiking and uh, hopefully the imminent backpacking trip as well is sort of you're like unfurling or uncurling a little bit into a, a new life if you will getting mm -hmm. sort of energy and enthusiasm and um like a rebirth almost i really like that and it's almost it's almost like each new adventure could be a new unfurling mm -hmm. yeah exactly yeah exactly so if somebody were to read that name fiddlehead like in a book somewhere like in a trail book somewhere they wouldn't necessarily know they'd probably think you were a musician <laughs> <laughs> but when in fact it's named after a plant so i, I think that's really creative hmm. and my name is nate preheim nathaniel preheim nathaniel j preheim <laughs> And my trail name is Leaf Monster. And how did you come up with Leaf Monster, Nate? Well, it was when we were in the woods, I think, right? We were hiking on the BMT. Mm -hmm. And, well, I'd been obsessing over leaves for many a hot summer night. And talking about, I can't wait for the leaves to change. And I can't wait for them to fall. And... What I kind of zoomed in on was walking on the leaves and like the crunching sound, just that lovely experience of walking on the leaves. So 
I don't know exactly how Leaf Monster came out, but we went on a hike, and by the time we came back, I was Leaf Monster. My inner character came out. And you had your trail name before I had mine. But we, but we both got them on the same day, though, right? No, mine happened a couple days after that. I had an idea of what I wanted the name to be, but I couldn't remember the specific term. I remember I had to look it up. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. Because, yeah, you were, you were talking about what, what is that thing called on a fern. We came up with parts of ferns, but then, yeah, then we got back and you found it and it was Fiddlehead. Mm-hmm. So, Leaf Monster... It is. And I I googled Leaf Monster the other day and there's an actual cartoon character oh called Leaf God. Monster. And it's literally a monster made out of leaves. <laughs> <laughs> is it like an advocacy character? Like what does the character do? It reminds me of like a nineteen seventy cartoon, kind of weirdly drawn orange leaf monster. Oh my. <laughs> like budget quality cartoon character from the seventies. <laughs> So hopefully I won't be getting a uh, copyright infringement letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we have the legal fees to cover that. So no, please we, don't. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Please don't sue us. <laughs> I wonder if Leaf Monster is like a Smokey the Bear, except it's maybe anti-leaf raking. You know, like leave your ra- leaves in place. It's good for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. We're going to have to do more research on, into Leaf Monster. So I may not be called Leaf Monster for very long if I get a uh, cease and desist letter. <laughs> So, my signature move, Fiddlehead, is getting real low to the ground and scooping up a big old bunch of leaves, throwing them up in the air, and then wildly trying to catch them as mm-hmm. they fall to the ground and then stomping on them like Godzilla. Yes, I have seen this move. It is quite impressive. Yeah. All of a sudden, the spirit just takes control and I can't control myself. Although... I will say I probably will not be doing that while I have a backpack on. It seems like a terrible idea. (laughs) Maybe after I take off my backpack, an act of joy (laughs) (laughs) and pure happiness. (laughs) You'll just be so thrilled. Yeah. I guess it it would be pretty uh, cathartic to take the pack off. How many pounds Mm -hmm. are you going to be carrying in your pack? Well, base weight, I'm I'm at about 16, roughly. So that doesn't, of course, include any water, food, or additional clothing. Well, I mean, you're not going to wear clothes, though. You're just going to be naked. That's what nature gave you. So Yes. Naked in the Smokies in November. <laughs> Great time to go hiking naked. <laughs> it's very refreshing and emasculating. <laughs> well, on this particular trip, on day three and three and a half, there's not going to be as much water or well there are opportunities for water but they're seasonal so you know we're looking at at that day as you know we may need to carry a day and a half of water and there's a part of that section of the trail called the gauntlet which we've never been on before but we've read you know some comments from other hikers that have done it and they said don't under don't underestimate it so we're going to carry a little extra water and water is very heavy mm-hmm. so I would say at the heaviest, so I'm going to be 35 pounds because that'll be day three. So we'll have eaten a lot of our heavier food by that point. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Let's back up a little bit. What uh, what was it for you, Fiddlehead, that got you interested in trying this again? Because y- you had a backpack, mm-hmm. but what was it that kind of was a catalyst for you to say, all right, yeah, you know, I want to do this. I want to give this another shot. 
Oh, definitely the nakedness in November in the Smokies. <laughs> that was definitely it. When you said you were going to be naked in the wilderness, I I was sold. That was that was all I needed. Okay, well, we don't have to backpack for me to be naked in the wilderness. <laughs> oh, in that's very true. Well, why are we doing this then? <laughs> that's it. Oh, I know why. It's because we wanted to spend a bunch of money on gear. Oh, yeah, that's right. We wanted to spend a bunch of our hard-earned money on uh, gear and accessories. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I hope everybody bought stock in REI because they could have made a killing in the yes. last last month. My dividend is going to be very, very nice this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think seeing the joy that we both get separately and then especially together from being out in nature. I think our why is a little bit different. And we can talk about that, certainly, why we want to get out there. We both separately get something from that experience. And then together, it adds a whole different layer of enjoyment for me uh, to do some hiking. The backpacking, I think, is different. Backpacking and hiking seem a little bit different to me. And um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, too. Backpacking, definitely, it pushes limits um, a little bit differently but it recenters some understanding about needs versus wants that I think is important and uh, good to remind ourselves of sometimes. You know, what is it that you actually need to sort of survive out there? Not whether we can survive or not. I know that's a why for some people out there for through hikers and folks that just really like a challenge or the competition of it. Maybe they're doing it for speed, for example. Uh, I know that's not really our why. But there is something about it that gets you to a sort of baser part of yourself. Mm. You know, what is it that you actually need to get by and provisioning for that and leaving the rest behind? Mm. I think there's something very substantive and also symbolic in that. Mm. What about for you? I love that. I mean, I can I can completely connect with that living in a world where there's so much around us, right? Work life, physical possessions, things that are on your mind and being able to really kind of shed that for a couple of days and see what, ask yourself, what do you really need? And what does it feel like if you don't have those things around you being able to really mm-hmm. disconnect? So I, I really appreciate what you said there. And I, and I can definitely relate with that. I think for me, there's a couple things when we initially started talking about it, we were we had gone day packing, well, just hiking with food in a bag for a couple of days um, during the day. I thought, what would it feel like if we could extend this for two or three or four days or more? What would that feel like? Not having to to really get into a trail and and crest a ridge and see a huge valley and have to turn around and go back. What would it feel like if we could continue there? And then when I was a kid growing up in Colorado, I did have some backpacking experiences with my dad and with friends a little bit when we were younger, but we didn't, we just like, we weren't out there for the same reasons that we're getting out there as adults. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, it's kind of going full circle and seeing what that's going to feel like again as an adult and then just having that connection with nature living a very very simple existence for a couple days and reconnecting with what that feels like you mentioned living a very very simple kind of life for a few days and yet it's so complicated (laughs) it really is it really really is (laughs) 
the planning that's required to pull something like this off safely, I should say, safely uh, pull this off. Can you hear the cat looking? Very faintly. Okay. That's Fenton. Yes, that is Fenton. Uh, he is not one of our trail beings at this time. <laughs> and he is sitting in my lap right now. Just happy and content as can be. Very content. So, you know, like trail life is fairly complicated. and I, But I feel like we've made it more complicated. And maybe we can chalk this up to consumerism. I don't know. But walking into REI after not having really spent time in an REI for 10 years or so, the options are frankly just overwhelming. You know, like how many pairs of thermals did we have to choose from? And we just left. We didn't even buy any thermals that day because it was just, it was overwhelming. It's too much. Yeah, it was way too much. Trail food, camp stoves, sleeping bags, another overwhelming area for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even just even just like the sleeping bag decision, lifting up sleeping bags, seeing how heavy they are, comparing the various brands. Do you want a mummy bag? Do you not want a mummy bag? You know, you, you look at like a 20 degree bag and then you have an associate come over and say, oh, yeah, I know that says 20 degree bag, but you probably won't want to use that if it's colder than 40. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, we, we actually left. We didn't get that there. Um, mm-hmm. Water storage, water pumping, what you're going to sleep on at night. And as far as pads go, I definitely got decision fatigue. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go shop online so I can compare things a little bit, a little bit more easily. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a very complicated process. And that's just one part of, like, getting prepared. And tell us a little bit about what we did or what you did as part of our joint effort to get prepared for this trip. Yeah. So definitely the purchasing was one aspect of this and we did some purchasing jointly and some separately. Like I bought my thermals separately, obviously from you, but then we made some joint purchasing decisions as well. Um, I think my big contribution to this particular trip though, was the meal planning and preparation And figuring out how many calories per day do we need based on the amount of effort we're going to be putting forward in terms of miles and hours each day. And then what does that translate to in terms of nutritious packable food that's going to meet that caloric need and also the potential water restriction that we might experience given the time of year and where we're going. I think You know, the trail planning, the meal planning part of it can be super easy. Like I could have just shoved a bunch of Snickers bars and protein bars (laughs) at you and (laughs) called it a day. I mean, that's pretty lightweight and there's a lot of calories in there. But I think for us, we lead a pretty healthy lifestyle already. And we don't really want to mess that up for a few days on a trail when we arguably need to be the healthiest we can be so our bodies can perform at their best level and not experience as much muscle soreness, delayed or otherwise, Mm -hmm. Um, and feel like, and also have positive moods the entire time (laughs) too, not have giant sugar crashes the whole time. (laughs) There's definitely some things on there that aren't the healthiest that we, you know, maybe wouldn't normally eat, but that's much more minimal. And therefore, the meal planning part of it was a little bit more complicated, because I needed to think about 
you know, what can we make ahead of time and dehydrate that's going to have vegetables, that's going to have some protein, that's going to have the stuff that we need, but also will meet the sort of stringent requirements that we have for the trail. I mean, there's certain days where I'm going to be eating for over 4,000 calories a day. Mm-hmm. So I'm about 210 pounds and, and you took weight into it, like our body weight into account, you know, how, how long we're going to be hiking, how intense the hike's going to be. And then you kind of work that backwards to find the caloric needs, or were you starting at the other end and saying what foods would work and then how can I add this up? So it fits. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I use the Pandolf formula, which is a pretty common one. It's based on a study from, I think the mid 1900s. And I'm not going to go into detail about the Pandolf formula. Like, you just Google it to find out more information, mm-hmm. but it takes into account the hiker's weight, the incline percentage, um, the material on which you're hiking, because you need more energy for hiking on something like sand, for example, than you do on asphalt or cement. So mm-hmm. it takes a variety of factors into consideration. And then it sort of spits out a calorie value to you. And then what I did is just kind of adjust that based on what's your normal caloric need, um, which we already know because we're kind of attuned to that anyway. We've been thinking about, you know, our training and our calorie needs and paying attention to what we've been eating and um, thinking about that in relation to the number that the Pandal formula sort of spits back out at you. So I took all that into consideration and I did some basic bitch Google searches. (laughs) You know, I Googled like highest calorie, lowest weight foods for backpacking. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you think would be spit out Googling something like that? Power bars, Uh cliff bars. Like a bunch of processed stuff. Yeah, a bunch of processed stuff, right? Uh Yeah, okay. So that's absolutely right. And then, of course, there's some nuts that always make the list as very high calorie but low weight, right? So like almonds or macadamia nuts or walnuts, right? Stuff like that always Mm -hmm. makes the list. Peanut butter will often make that list. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, people will put on there, you know, like meat jerkies. Or some people will pack cheese on the trail. Um, That sounds like it could go very wrong. Strong agree. Yes. (laughs) Well, and we don't really eat dairy anyway, so it just doesn't fit our particular lifestyle choices, right? Um, So it it was kind of like wading through all of this stuff to figure out just the general kind of rules of thumb. But the thing is that if you just took those items, the power bars, the candy bars, the um, jerky, the peanut butter, and the nuts you're missing huge nutrients in those, right? Like all of them individually might be okay in terms of nutrition or even great in terms of nutrition. But if that's all you eat in one day, you're missing out on some pretty important nutrition, namely fiber, which seems very important, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, as well as some other nutrients like vitamin C and other things that you would want to eat just generally as a human being who wants to have a pretty healthy body. So... I kind of took some of the core things and thought about meals that I could make, dehydrate, and yet would still be nutritious and have a high calorie count per ounce, essentially. Mm -hmm. So like quinoa made the list. It can be dehydrated in advance. 
You can have it with apples, make it into a porridge for breakfast, add some honey in there, which can also be dehydrated and call it a day. Mm -hmm. Um, For dinner, I thought about, okay, we're going to do like a stir fry, right? So we're making a stir fry this weekend that we're going to dehydrate for our trip next week. And there's going to be tempeh in there and vegetables. And um, we're going to pack in a little bit of tuna for you to have um, with your stir fry as well. So you get a little bit of extra calories and protein. Since you're going to be a little over 4,000 calories, you're mm-hmm. going to need that. Going to need it. But, you know, I'm also going to chop up some cashews to put on top of the stir fry when it's served. So it's a little bit of texture, but it's also a lot of calories that's going to be packed into a relatively small amount of food. So just little things like that, too, to make a healthy meal more calorie dense. I think you did a really nice job of balancing, like, trying to get a complete nutritional picture. And then also something that's going to be lightweight. And then also something that's going to be, like, tasty and enjoyable to eat. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important for us. That enjoyable to eat part is important because we're not hiking for speed. Um, And there's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with hiking for the competition against yourself or for speed. Um, And certainly if you're through hiking, you have a lot less options available to you than what we have just going for three nights. But for us, we're going for the enjoyment of it and to connect with each other, to connect with nature, to make it an experience that's less pleasurable when we have full and complete control over making it as pleasurable an experience as possible, it just doesn't really make sense for us. Um, it makes sense to add in as many layers of pleasurable, enjoyable experiences as we can to kind of lay a foundation for us to continue doing this long term. Yeah, that's a good point because we're not going to be picking up resupply packages on something like this. Like we have the, we have the time to plan it out and put the work into like getting the food prepared. And we don't have to pack in six days worth of food. Right. Right. Like that would be a very different situation. If we had to be packing in six days worth of food, I would be telling you, you better suck it up buttercup. (laughs) That's right. Here's your next protein bar. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) And when you're done with that protein bar, here's another one. Yeah. We're just going to eat protein (laughs) bars the whole way. (laughs) Did you read something about, there were some young hikers and they just basically ate candy bars. Yeah. Just to get calories. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and again, if you need, you know, 4,500 calories a day and you're going to be hiking for five or six days, you're not going to resupply. Absolutely. You know, or like if your body can tolerate that, mm-hmm. great. Mine can't. You know, like I've been too good about my nutrition for too long my body gets really angry with me now yeah it's like it's like we're gonna eat really healthy and get ready to go and then we're just gonna eat candy bars the whole time just because they're loaded with calories my body is gonna have a fit and i'm gonna get real ornery real fast on the trail and that's not what i want and that's not what you want either so no yeah so (laughs) i think that that's been my biggest contribution to our preparation how about you so, Other than the uh, major purchasing that's had to happen and well, the time required to do that. I mean, it. yeah. You, sometimes you got to bite the bullet. If, if you do want to do something like this, it does take some significant time on the front end to figure out everything that you need to get. You know, I think initially we had put together like a document and drive or 
opened up a couple different tabs and just started making like an initial inventory list. You know, we did that together, um, identified some potential equipment and like we were, we were conscious on weight. So we, we knew enough about this getting into it that we knew it was going to be important to keep an eye on weight. And of course the lighter something is, the more expensive it is. And you can go pretty extreme. We were probably a little bit more on the lighter side, mm -hmm. but still within a reasonable budget. Right. And a reasonable well, budget. Reasonable will, for us. Right. And and reasonable is going to be different for each individual person or people that decide to do this. So that was a major advantage for us is that we have two people that were real, that were willing to show up and, and put the work in mm -hmm. to get the initial planning done. And the money. And the money. I do think it's important to note though that like there are places you can borrow equipment from friends or from family. And you can rent equipment as well. So we did consider renting some equipment or borrowing equipment there for a little while. And then I think on considering it, we kind of realized that a lot of the people that we knew that had equipment, it wasn't lightweight equipment. It right. was some standard camping equipment that, you know, the tent was what, like six pounds or like, I mean, it, it was heavier than what we ideally wanted to carry. Yeah, it was not it was not designed for backpacking. Right. For sure. It was like, hey, let's throw the kids and the dogs in the car and go park out by the lake and pitch a tent right there. Right. Like not stuff that you, that you would want to carry for 30 miles <laughs> over no. 3 days. No. That part we did collaboratively and then we took certain things and then split those up. So like you took food research and prep, which you did a fantastic job on. And then I took planning where we're going to start, where we're going to end, where's the water, where we're going to camp, mileages, things like that, which, which sounds fairly simple, but I wanted to put a lot of time into that because you don't want to be, you know, up there hiking and have it be getting dark and not know where you're going to camp, or mm -hmm. you don't want to be expecting there to be water and run out of water when you've got like a huge, a huge climb ahead of you. So try to be really careful about doing the research um, we found, I think, yeah, we, we read some blogs too. Like we, we tried to, to do a little bit of research based on what other people's experiences have been. Mm -hmm. And a shout out to unfettered footsteps. Yes. Unfettered footsteps, footsteps was right there at the foundation level for us, like getting some of that knowledge. So we want to be very thoughtful in the way that we're doing this. Cause we're doing about 30 miles over, I'll say four days because mm -hmm. we're doing a half day then we're doing two full days and then a half day so yeah so basically three days yeah so some days are going to be a little bit longer like initially like the first day we're going to get out there around noon because we're going to drop off a car at the end point and then we're going to get in the other car and drive to where we're going to get on the trail and then we're going to hike back to where we dropped the first car off so you know we've got like a half day there but that's all uphill we've got four miles it's not necessarily a very steep grade, but we have to be careful because daylight savings time and it's getting dark at like, what, 4.30? Mm -hmm. There's some planning there. So we, we found out about an app called, and I'm sure lots of people know about this, but it's called, initially, originally it was called Gut Hook, and then it's been rebranded as Far Out. And so you can get topo maps there and then they also have like an elevation line graph so you can easily calculate elevations you know that fits in that kind of augments with 
meal planning because you need to know what you're going to be expecting so you can make sure you, you have enough fuel for your body for that. And then it also identifies where water sources are. Uh, and then, so I did that, went through all the comments, read everything, put together a plan, and then we got a data book through BMTA because we're, we're doing a section on the Benton Mackay Trail which goes from Georgia through North Carolina, kind of weaves through like North Carolina, goes through Smoky Mountain National Park, and then ends up in, in Tennessee is where, it, was where the terminus is. And some folks hike it Nobo or northbound. Some people hike it Sobo. Uh, we're going on a northbound section. And with the data book, you can, like, it gives mileages, whether you're going Nobo or Sobo. And so I went through there and there was a little bit of conflicting information. A lot of it overlapped, but I was able to get another layer of perspective on how seasonal the water is because mm-hmm. there are what they call piped springs, which is just like a piece of pipe basically sticking out of the ground. And when the water table is high, it'll pump water out that's that you can drink. You know, we'll probably still run it through the filter anyways, just to be safe. But if you were out there and needed to get water, like generally, you can drink out of a spring if it's coming literally out of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you you definitely want to filter it. We're, we'll probably filter it anyways because I don't want to run the risk of getting Giardia. <laughs> that shit's nasty. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't prefer that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> then we got some of the equipment, and you know we one of the things we talked about was we need to make sure that we understand how all this works before we get up there. So we popped the tent in the living room mm-hmm. and got in there. And then I suggested that, uh, I thought the tent was big enough for two humans and two dogs. So then we invited the dogs into the tent with us. Yes. Trail boss and trail scamp trail were scamp, that's right. coming into the tent. Trail scamp was scared of the tent initially. <laughs> if you recall that. I do recall that. Mm-hmm. And he oh, trail scamp is like what sixty pounds? Yeah, yeah, probably. So I mean, physically, yes, they will fit inside the tent, but mm, probably not. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah, mostly because of trail scamp. Yeah, I'm gonna put it on trail scamp. It was trail scamp. Okay. Yeah, it definitely was. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, we we do have an old four person tent that's been sitting in a barn for several years, and it probably weighs. I don't know seven pounds like it basically would fill up my entire backpack i mean i can fit a few things in there but that would be if we were doing like a two or three mile hike in with the dogs and we all wanted to sleep in the same tent like that would be that'd be cool for that mm-hmm. but yeah that's definitely not something you want to hike into the woods with so we we made some initial estimates on where we wanted to be with weight and we were very close with our estimates and with our target weight. So mm-hmm. I think we did a really nice job on that because fully loaded, I didn't want to be over 35 and fully loaded, you didn't want to be over 25, I believe, right? Right. So next week on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, we're going to go, we're going to leave early, meet at the at our terminus point for that particular trip, drive back, drop off the car, and we're going to do a half day on Wednesday, 10 miles on Thursday. Thursday's got the most net elevation gain, which is 2,500 feet, mm-hmm. which is pretty decent, right? That's a pretty decent. It is on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving. And then we're going to have a Thanksgiving feast, yes. which you thoughtfully prepared for us. Mm-hmm. Yum. And then uh, 
let's see the next yeah then the next day is the gauntlet so we're gonna camp that night by a stream so we're gonna be able to fill up water for the gauntlet and do that hike and then on day four uh it's basically all downhill till the end and downhill hiking with a backpack can be actually pretty intense because you're using a lot of quads and mm-hmm. like you can actually get physically tired backpacking downhill if you've got weight on your back so that's something to, to keep in mind too absolutely and in terms of training i mean we've both been getting on inclines on the treadmill you've been doing the dreaded hellscape called the stairmaster so brutal so terrible it looks awful just awful and there's sweat raining down everywhere upon the stairmaster when you're on that thing <laughs> it's pretty gross i'm getting after it on that thing you are definitely getting after it and the evidence is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does that make you feel to see me on there? Just so sexy. Ah, oh, yes. Mm. Love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, let's... but but my point is, neither one of those options has a decline. That's right. So, in terms of training, the unfortunate thing is that unless you're able to get on decline of a mountain regularly to train in advance of a trip. You're going to be able to train for the incline, but not the decline. And the decline does use different muscle groups in the legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We, we should talk a little bit about the training part of it because, you know, that's, that's an important consideration because you don't want to get out into a situation where you are bushed and maybe you made it day one because like you had a bunch of energy and then the next day you wake up and you can't walk. Cause yeah, because so you ate all those candy bars. <laughs> you ate all the candy bars and now you can't walk. <laughs> And oh, you you ate like two and a half days worth of food in your first day. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Guess we're foraging for berries now. Oh my gosh. No, not in November. We're not. (laughs) I would rate my physical fitness level like from, so so like we plan this out and we're like, all right, we're going to do this hike. And how much time do we give ourselves? Like 30? Four, Four weeks. Four weeks. So we had four weeks to get from like wherever we were to like basically where we're at now because we've got one more training day left and then we're going to rest for two full days before we go. So that way we can be fully recovered and fresh. So I would say that my fitness level was about average, maybe a little bit above average if I ran on the treadmill. Average compared to what? Like the general U.S. population or the general U.S. population of people who go to the gym five times a week? General average if you were to take general average of huh because well i'm 39 years old right so so yeah still young (laughs) (laughs) okay okay leaf monster leaf monster (laughs) like how can i quantify that i could run on the treadmill for a mile without stopping Mm -hmm. basically so that was like my level of like endurance we got to get ourselves into better shape. So it was a combination of like cardio, some weight training. And then I think this is a really important piece, actually going on like extended hikes with your backpack on. Oh yeah. Very important. Right. And like wearing the actual hiking boots that you're going to be wearing on the trail. So if you, if there's a hot spot on your foot, like you can identify that. Or if you have new boots, you need to break those suckers in. Not like they used to be back in the days when they were really rigid and mm-hmm. it took a long time to break them in. But even like a new pair of boots requires you to walk in them for a while to figure out how tight do they need to be so that they're not uncomfortable. Putting a new pair of shoes on, like, is this causing 
some pain or discomfort in my leg or do my muscles need to adapt a little bit to the way the soles are like all those little things you you don't want to discover that when you're actually out there right and i'm sure there's some things that that we will discover some deficiencies when we're when we're actually out there but i at least feel like we're to a point where we're going to be able to complete the trip how would you describe the change in your fitness from 30 days ago and what do you think's been a really good way to get prepared for this for you Hmm. Yeah. So I think we were both in pretty decent shape before we started training, but I, one thing I think is really important is to remember that bodies are trained for particular things, right? They're trained how you train them. And neither one of us had been training for backpacking before four weeks ago. So, you know, I felt like I was in pretty good shape before I started training for this, but the first day that we hiked up a mountain and I had that <laughs> yeah. pack on, yeah. I was like, Oh, holy shit. I'm, I'm in good shape, but not for this right. specifically. I think it's a good lesson. Um, in that, you know, no matter what you're going to do, if you're going to do backpacking or a triathlon or, you know, I don't know, strongman competition, you have to train differently for each of those things. So for me with this, it was a lot more leg work but also a lot more work on my traps because you do need your shoulders to carry some of the weight. And of course, the way that you wear your pack makes a huge difference in this. And, you know, there are some companies that will make women's specific packs that supposedly shift the weight further into the hips and off of the shoulders. And that's all fine, but I don't mind carrying weight in my shoulders a little bit. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Of course, most of it is on the hips, but you need some shoulder strength to to carry the weight. And the vast majority of that is going to be held in the traps, which extend down the spinal column just past your um, shoulder blades, your scapula. So my upper traps were great, but my mid and lower traps, not so much. So in the training aspect, this meant that, you know, I had a dedicated shoulder and back day every week and it included like an overhead farmer carry and walk where you like have the weights in your hands and you hold them above your head and you like walk around Mm -hmm. because that specifically targets those points of your traps and some other exercises that were some somewhat similar in terms of building those muscles but also conditioning them to be able to carry that weight Mm -hmm. and then going a little bit more intensive on leg day and shifting some of the exercises there to be a bit more in line with expectations for the trail have you noticed uh, a difference in your strength and conditioning since you started 30 days ago yes um i have my shoulders are a little bit stronger now than they were before and my legs they're not necessarily stronger than they were but the musculature has changed a fair amount my pants are actually fitting a little bit differently now because I've built that muscle using different exercises than I was using before. Mm-hmm. So certainly some differences in composition of that muscle. And what is really cool about the training process is that now I can go for a hike, you know, when I've actually eaten an appropriate meal, mm-hmm. unlike last week when I forgot to eat lunch. And then I went hiking <laughs> and discovered halfway up a mountain that I had forgotten to eat lunch. It was not wise, not my best moment. Eat your food, people. I know. Yeah. Eat your calories. Uh, so, but when I do the things right, I can easily 
do six miles, you know, 8% gain incline without much of a problem. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to take breaks like I did when I first started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for folks who are really intense backpackers, you know, they're going to kind of look at our schedule and think, oh, 10 miles a day, you know, whatever. But we decided to do this four weeks ago, and neither one of us has gone backpacking in, what, 10 years? Right. So I think for us, the level that we've gained in our own fitness specifically for backpacking has been really remarkable mm-hmm. in that in that four-week period. I'm really impressed with both of us, and it's a testament to the the commitment that we have not just to do the trip, because we could both do the trip before we started training. Like we have the mindset to get through this trip and to be able to do the miles, but it's going to be so much more enjoyable now than it would have been four weeks ago. 100% agree because we're not going to be there dying like winded. What are we doing? We're going to be able to get out there and like really enjoy some of the things that are drawing us to this, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that was that was important for me because I, you know, number one, I didn't want to get up there and be winded and like dying up there. And you know, number two, the the better shape, the better shape that you're in to go out and do something like that, just the more enjoyable it's going to be, or so I think. Like w- like we could be completely wrong. And the yeah. you know the other part of it too is you don't want to get out, you don't want to be overconfident in what you think you can do. Yeah, I say so much more enjoyable, not. That it's going to be wonderful, (laughs) (laughs) but that it will be much more enjoyable than it would have been four weeks ago. Yeah, that's It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult for us. It's going to be cold. We're going to have some drizzly rain. We are going to have some steeper incline and declines that will be challenging for us, some technical terrain, but it is going to be better than it would have been if we had just launched out of there, you know, four weeks ago. Yeah. Absolutely. And as far as my training schedule, because I think I had a little bit more kind of just general muscle and, but my, oh, well, just shove it in my face. Why don't you, but, but your, your, your conditioning <laughs> was like crazy. Like the first time that me and you went day packing, you weren't even breathing hard. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like I've got to, I've got to get my, my game together here. So, you know, I started exercising more and working on cardio more. And you know, that was probably what, three months ago, four months ago. Mm-hmm. So my cardio was good, uh, better, but like I still felt like you were cardiovascularly in a lot better shape. So I knew that's where I needed to focus. So I did a lot of work on the stairmaster. I would do so when I do the stairmaster, I'll go do I'll do an hour, and like the very first day that I did an hour, that was nuts, and I didn't want to finish it, but I just listened to some awesome music and just got through it. And then, you know, doing hikes. But for me to be able to, like, go and hike trails that I'm familiar with and see how much easier they are, that was kind of the, like, the moment for me where I was like, okay, it's working. I can actually feel that this is a lot easier and, like, my conditioning is a lot better. Even wearing a backpack. Trails that I used to get winded on without a backpack on, I can now do with a backpack and not get winded. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're still going to get an elevated heart rate, but... You're you're not going to have the same type of of winded feeling as you go up. Now, what are you looking forward to the most, and what are you what are you most concerned about on this kind of initial backpacking trip? I'm really looking forward to the disconnection 
from uh, technology. Like no one's going to be able to email me and have me actually respond. Ooh. What are they going to do? What are they going to? Oh, I don't know. I guess the world will just have to figure out a way to go on without me. Oh, man. I know. I know. <laughs> Those poor people. So, but I, I really am looking forward to that because I, I do think when you mentioned before, you know, this is like a simple way of life. And I kind of complicated that by saying, but is it really? Because there's so many different things to take into consideration. At a core level, you're absolutely right. We've cluttered our everyday life with all kinds of things that we consider to be necessary when in fact, you know, if I left my job tomorrow, they would figure out a way to go on without me. They don't genuinely need me in that job. I do a really great job. I add a lot of value. I mean, I would be missed if I were fired or if I left, but there are other people that can do that job. I'm not the only human who could possibly do it. So I think in a way... I'm looking forward to that disconnection and the simplicity that does help sort of recenter not just needs, but also values and interests, right? It, it sort of cuts out all of the extra noise The you know, you should be working, you should be checking your email, you always need to be on or, you know, you need to call your mom, like whatever it is, the, the right. voices are always telling you you have to do. Right. You literally can't do that. It's not an option. And what that forces you to do is to look a little bit deeper to see what you yourself are saying, not mm. what other people are telling you, but what is your heart telling you? Mm, I love that. Uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to the most. What I'm most concerned about, I think, there's always the kind of concern that, you know, did I prepare properly? Did I plan properly? Even today, I was double checking the water situation and the food plan to make yeah. sure it was all syncing up nicely. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's also just the general kind of fear that you have when you're when you're accustomed to living in uh, a walled structure with a roof and you're not accustomed to sleeping in a tent you have to get reacquainted with all of the eccentricities of nature all of the critters all of the sounds that you're unfamiliar with and you're not sure you know what's friend or what's a foe sound (laughs) um so i am you know i'm a little bit concerned about the sleep situation as a result of that Mm -hmm. and making sure that i get enough rest after the first day or the second day to really fully recover and be ready to hit the trail the subsequent day how about you what are you looking most forward to and what are you a bit concerned about you know i'm really looking forward to kind of extending that time that we have on the on the trail together and connecting with each other up there that's a part of it and then just being surrounded by forest by nature and then seeing trail that i've never seen before and just experiencing that knowing that every around every turn that we take is going to be something new that we've never seen before and just experiencing what we what i've seen on the map and like seeing what that's like mm-hmm. in real life as far as is concerns you know weather's always a concern setting up camp when it's raining is probably going to be unpleasant keeping things dry and then there's I, I probably share some of the some of the same concerns about you know am i prepared physically for this um, I think with the with the way we planned it, it'll be challenging, but I don't think we're going to be in over our heads. Like we could probably hike more miles 
than we're planning. But I don't know that because mm-hmm. we haven't done we haven't done anything like this together. And then of course there's like some of the maybe more irrational fears like what if some lunatic is like on the trail or like you know what if somebody's like shooting guns in the middle of the night like around our campsite like I'm I'm expecting to probably not see that many people out there because it is over holiday weekend and it's winter time you know what if a bear comes and tramples our tent what if I don't wash off the scent of food on my hand and like a bear gets attracted wildlife but you know I think it at the end of the day and you've pointed this out you're probably safer hiking in the woods with another person than you are driving on the interstate Mm -hmm. for example so I'm pretty comfortable with that we had discussed like should we take bear mace well bear mace comes in a huge canister and you have to like carry it where you can easily get access to it Mm -hmm. so finally we we just elected you know no we're not going to take we're not going to take bear mace along Mm -hmm. which i you know i think that's that's the right decision i think for where we live and for where we're going that's a good decision i think if we lived in like grizzly territory we might have come to a different conclusion. Yeah, agreed. Or if we were going to an area that was really touristy and people had been feeding bears and all of that, we might have come to a different conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, black bears, we're going to be hitting hibernation season, the very beginning of it. Uh, so that also does help. And in areas that are not quite as well traveled as um, some other places that we might have chosen. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Like if we were, if we were going out there in spring, say when they were waking up and ravenously hungry, we might consider that as a factor. We probably would, but you're right. I mean, they're kind of slowing down. They've got their calories set and they're, they're not going to really be out there. And I think bears for the most part are going to want to stay clear of humans. Yeah. So so that, that kind of covers it. I mean, that kind of covers what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we got prepared, both from a planning perspective and physically, what we're expecting out there, what we're concerned about, what we're looking forward to, some of the gear, why we got it, weights. So I think we're prepared. I feel pretty prepared. I think we did a great job planning, and we'll know more at the end of next week. <laughs> <laughs> Follow-up episode. Yes. See what happens <laughs> on the BMT. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Well, have a good night.